It's a dark, inescapable place. It's like being locked in a room with no light, no windows, no door, no way out. It can also be like falling down a bottomless shaft. Just falling, 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 and you see where you came from as a light growing dimmer and dimmer as you fall into the dark. You can also feel like floating in water, except with the constant fear of drowning, or trying to keep your head above the water when it's already up to your nose. Otherwise, just silence. Or nothing at all. These are just some of the many, many ways to describe the monster that is depression. As of 2017, it's the most common mental health problem. Globally, over 300 million suffer from it, diagnosed or undiagnosed. Depression is also the primary cause of suicide. In the Philippines, as of 2018, over 3.3 million suffer from some form of depressive disorder and around 3.1 million from some form of anxiety disorder. But beyond these figures, what do we really know about it? We speak to Risa Coronel, a young mental health advocate from Manila. Her advocacy is personal. She herself has been living with depression and anxiety for years. Here's her story. Um, I'm Risa Coronel. I do writing and research, as well as mental health advocacy. All three of those are actually intertwined with the last one. A lot of my life has been influenced by the mental health advocacy, actually. I'm also taking masters in UP Diliman in developmental psychology and working towards becoming a mental health professional. I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder in November 2014, but I felt the effects of mental illness for way before that. As a kid, I was frequently made fun of <laughs> because of like, I was stuttering, I was very fidgety, I was like a fast talker, and I have memories of like crying in the middle of presentations because I was so nervous. <laughs> Um, I didn't know then what was happening. And one memory that stands out was since I really liked writing ever since I was a kid, um, my English teacher in high school said, um, you're actually shortlisted to be part of a writing contest, but we didn't choose you because we know that you get nervous, you get stifled up when you're under pressure. Like looking back, I wished that they had done something about that because they knew it already. At least my journey towards better mental health care started in maybe college. In third year college, I was very stressed. This is around 2013-2014. I had just shifted into BS Psych initially for pre-med. So I had the very bright idea of overloading myself with like statistics, chemistry, 
and experimental psychology, these are not easy subjects at all. So um, I was also going through a lot of social problems. Like I had a rift in my friend group. Um, things were also not great at home. So I felt like I had a poor social support system then. Risa was diagnosed with major depressive disorder and anxiety disorder in 2014. She's in remission for the depression, she tells me, but it still affects her to this day. The fifth diagnostic and statistical manual of mental health disorders, the Psychiatrist's Bible, says that for an individual to be diagnosed with major depressive disorder, he or she should have at least five of these symptoms. 1. Depressed mood or irritability most of the day. 2. Decreased interest or pleasure in most activities. 3. Significant weight gain or loss. 4. Change in sleep. 5. Change in activity like psychomotor agitation or slowness. 6. Fatigue or loss of energy. 7. Guilt or worthlessness. 8. Diminished concentration. and 9. Thoughts of death or suicide. Anxiety disorder, on the other hand, is present when at least 3 of the following occur. 1. Restlessness 2. Easy tiring 3. Problems concentrating 4. Irritability 5. Muscle tension and 6. Sleep problems I get these intrusive thoughts like that I'm worthless or like I'm better off dead like randomly it just comes out you're worthless you're so stupid you wanna die it's like it still affects me. My, my psych says that it's part of the depression because it's already been ingrained in your neurons. So your neurons feel comfortable with going back to those thoughts, even if you're in remission, supposedly. I remember crying in cubicles and hiding because I was so nervous. And um, like during tests, tests were a major trigger for me because my ACADs, sad, like they had suffered so much because of my mental health crisis then. Um, but now, I don't think panic attacks are much of a problem. Earlier this year, during one of my master's tests, I had this really weird downward spiral while taking an exam in statistics because <laughs> we're supposed to have like these tables for stat and I had written at the back of them not knowing that my teacher will collect them so I went on a spiral and oh my god she's gonna think I was cheating oh my god I'll be expelled by the university I'll never be able to finish masters again Dr. Dina Nadera is no stranger to the things that Risa describes. Students biting more than they can chew, young people having difficulties communicating with friends, but having problems at home. She meets students telling her about these problems every day. I meet her after office hours on a Wednesday. She asks me to wait. She has former patients to talk to. All of them are undergraduate students. Another two come in for emergency consults. Some of them drop by to have their clearances signed. 
These are students who had taken a break from school because of mental health issues, now speaking to her, assuring her that they're well enough to come back and study again. She is, after all, the head psychiatrist at the University of the Philippines in Diliman. So who else would they turn to? I'm uh, Dina Nadera. I'm currently the psychiatrist at the University of the Philippines Health Service. And I'm also a research project leader at the Ateneo School of Medicine and Public Health. And I have my own foundation. I lead my own foundation, uh, Advancing Wellness, Instruction and Talents. I ask her what drives students to knock on her door. They feel sad, of course, because they're not able to function the way they used to. You know, they were in high school and they were top of the class. And it's a honors list. And then suddenly they're here. Okay pa nung una. And then they realize, sandali lang, parang hindi naman ako you know, and then they start, you know, um, becoming insecure, and then they become anxious. So usually, ganon yung mga nakukuha kong pattern. Pero inagkatao lang siguro because this is a special population, really. So basically, the most of the time they come here because they're no longer able to do what they're supposed to do or they have been advised by their professors na hindi ka naman ganyan dati, matatas ang grades mo and then suddenly, you know, nagde-decline academic performance so you might want to see a, a specialist. Panic attacks can also lead a student to ask for help. This is how it happens. Ang nararamdaman ng karamihan ay parang meron silang feeling of impending doom or danger na hindi nila maintindihan kung saan nanggagaling. At dahil sa pakiramdam na yon bumibilis yung heartbeat, lumalakas, halos yung iba nga, naririnig na raw nila yung heartbeat nila. Tapos nalalamig yung mga palad nila. Tapos mabigat sa dibdib. Tapos, nahihirapang huminga dahil pakiramdam nila parang may mabubulunan o nalulunod sila sa sarili nilang hinga. Yung iba naman, medyo may nararamdaman na parang tumutusok-tusok sa mga dulo ng daliri. Then, yung iba naman parang nanghihina, nagdidilim yung paningin. And then, eventually, mag-hyperventilate sila. Mabilis na pakinga. And then, sasakit na yung ulo nila. Siyempre, nag-hyperventilate ka eh. So, basically, what I do is... Um, I do assessment, management of uh, mental health conditions uh, of uh, the students, uh, faculty, employees, and employee dependents. So it's a privilege for those in the UP community. They get the services for free because I'm already paid by, by UP. Free mental health services. This is very important for students, young people, and anyone acquainted with the healthcare system, really. And like Dr. Nadera says, it is a privilege. A consultation with a private practice psychiatrist in Manila typically ranges from 2,000 to 3,000 pesos. On your first few sessions, you might even have to meet the psychiatrist once every two weeks. That's around 4,000 to 6,000 pesos per month. And if you choose to take medication, there are even extra costs on top of that. This is something Risa knows all too well. She stopped seeing her first psychiatrist because on top of her consultation fee, she would be charged extra if she arrived late to a scheduled consult. And though her new psychiatrist 
doesn't make her pay when she's late, Risa still shells out no less than 2,000 pesos every time they're scheduled to have their one-hour consultation. She has to pay for medication too. Around four types of medications, each of them with their own role in balancing the way her neurons work, each of them with price tags not so kind to the pocket. It took Risa a while to discover the cheapest, most effective ones. Here's Risa again. I was given around four medications for mental illness ever. At first, it was kind of hard to get used to the meds because I could actually literally feel my brain changing. <laughs> like there would be weird headaches and zaps, but I've been taking antidepressants for close to five years now, so now I'm used to it. And I really think that it helped both my depression and my anxiety. I think finding the cheapest and still most effective meds comes with a lot of research. And I think I wouldn't have gotten that if I didn't know where to look. Like most people don't know where to look. And I know that a lot of like Google doesn't have these things right off the bat. Like I have to ask like my psych grad friends, but I have to ask my boss who's in mental health. So yeah, I'm very lucky for that. Lucky and privileged. These are words Risa brings up a lot when describing her experience. Risa comes from a middle-class household, went to a prestigious university, and took up psychology in college, something that helps her understand her condition more. It's a privilege to know about what one is going through in a much deeper, more intellectual way, she says. So she channeled her experience and knowledge into starting Silakbo PH, a group of young mental health advocates who focus on mental health advocacy through art. Silakbo PH started as a blog, one Risa started for herself. Then eventually, she asked friends to contribute until in 2018, they published a short collection of works containing essays, poems, stories, and artworks submitted by people who were also going through their own journeys in mental health. Her growing band of young mental health advocates also lobbied for the mental health bill, which finally became law in June 2018, after over 30 years and several iterations. Risa wants to be a mental health professional. This she's sure of. As she finishes her master's degree in developmental psychology in UP and helps lead a small organization on the side, she also works on a project assessing mental health care in the Philippines. And coincidentally, Dr. Nadera is at the helm of this project. Both of them observe the problem becomes much more challenging outside Metro Manila. Because uh, there are people na who have never been seen by professionals, nakatali lang sila sa may puno or gagawa ng cage yung family para hindi sila makapanakit. Or madadala sila sa ospital, tapos pag-uwi, ikukulong lang din sa isang room na, you know, it's, it's a very uh, pitiful situation. Um, and then, um, you see these farming communities na hindi sila makapagsaka dahil babantayan yung family members. So instead na nasa bukid siya, nakakapagtanim, hindi, babantayan niya yung family member niya. It's, it's a pitiful situation, really. And mas pa sa mga schools. Uh, 
so you meet teachers who are you know experiencing chronic stress and you meet students who cannot even talk to anyone about their thoughts of self-harm so it's very real okay and nakikita mo rin yung gap ng services dito sa syudad talk about depression here doon mas malala Risa tells me what she's learned from studying mental health care in the Philippines. Many rural health units are understaffed, others have a lot of equipment but barely any people. The negative connotation towards mental health is also worse in the provinces, Risa observes. Baliyo, Maysayad, Maytopak are words people often use to describe people with mental illnesses. Advocates and professionals like Risa and Dr. Nadera are looking to the mental health law to address the gaps in mental health care for all who suffer, be they in the capital or in the provinces. The law must see to it that mental health services are present at the primary health setting, like barangay health stations and not just hospitals. Teachers and public officials must also be trained for adequate mental health knowledge. Mental health programs should be put in place in schools and workplaces. The country has a long way to go, Risa and Dr. Nadera say, and they're both committed to making sure we get there. This is Janela Paris. Listen to more Rappler podcasts on Spotify or SoundCloud.